Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Opera After Dark. Today on Opera After Dark, we are actually going to do a listener request. Um, hey. We weren't planning to talk about this opera because, frankly, it's not very funny. Um, <laughs> but it's beautiful. I love this opera. It is beautiful. We had mm-hmm. somebody email us saying that they were actually going to Santa Fe this summer. Uh, and they were going to see this opera, and they didn't know anything about it. And so um, they want us to speak to it so they can learn a bit more so they're prepared before they see the opera. I don't condone, really, anybody using us as an educational resource for anything. But I do. Okay, fine. So We do condone such a thing. We are nothing if not beholden to the whims of strangers. So we're going to talk today <laughs> <laughs> about Janicek's second let's say it's second his first successful opera yes sure oh that is true um yanufa or yanufa we're really on the fence as to how this is actually pronounced i think it's yanufa so when we, in check when we saw it um that was the way that people sang it however i know in the czech language that usually the first syllable is the one that's emphasized however it is someone's proper christian name so those rules don't actually matter yeah i don't know i think it's we fun should... to say it both ways i think we should also mention that our, the second episode of opera after dark was talking about the composer of yanufa Leos Janacek. It is. So we're not going to mm. delve too deeply into the background of Janacek. If you want to learn more about him, we recommend you go back and listen to episode two. It's highly recommend. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's Wild. some crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's he's an oddball. Wild. Wait, why don't we should we should do like the briefest of summaries. Like basically he was like this weird stalker dude. <laughs> Uh, later, yeah, la- later, later in life. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah, <laughs> we um, a lot of the the works that we really associate with him today were inspired by his love for this woman who was like, like six. No, like twenty years as junior or something. Or more than that. More than that. Um, that never. They were both married to other people. They never. She never sort of reciprocated his love. She was kind of stupid. <laughs> there, you can read these um, letters that he that they wrote to each other, and his letters are full of just like fire and, and passion. And hers are like, I bought a hat today. Um, <laughs> her name was Camila Stoslova, and a lot yes, but of it, his. It was a sexy hat. Uh, I guess no, to Yana check it was a sexy hat. Um, <laughs> And so a lot of his uh, really famous operas were either dedicated to her, he based characters on what he thought she was like, like the Macropolis case Mm -hmm. is dedicated to her. He wrote a string quartet, his second string quartet, um, which is basically the the love letter to her. her. And Camila is like represented by the viola. Um, 
So it was crazy and it was weird. I really recommend that you go back and you, and you listen to that. Um, so <laughs> Janacek uh, was Czech. Yes. <laughs> Fun fact. Born, <laughs> in, <laughs> da, da, da. born in 1854, died in 1928. Um, he was, he did become a little bit successful in his later life. I wouldn't say like Puccini levels of success, but mm-hmm. successful. He, you know, supported his family. Um one really interesting thing about Janacek's music, like a lot of composers in that area at that time, like Dvorak, he was really interested in nationalistic music, a lot of folk um, melodies and rhythms and things like that. And Janacek is actually known for something that he called speech melody, which is a compositional style he developed later on that he used pretty consistently, um, starting actually in Yanefa to the end of his compositional career um and he would actually go around and record people talking and then use that to create the rhythmic pattern of um the vocal lines for operas and um that's so interesting yeah and he so he started that in 1897 and he continued that until he died um he actually didn't record just people talking he also recorded um melodies of dogs barking mosquitoes buzzing and the creaking oh, of, of wooden floors who's so really interested in sort of this hyper realism and he gave this interview in a magazine the year that he died and i'm going to read a little a little excerpt from it now if y'all don't mind mm-hmm. he says melodies for me the music that you hear from instruments from literature whether it's by beethoven or whoever there's not much truth in it You see, it was rather odd. Whenever someone spoke to me, I might not understand the words, but that tonal cadence, I immediately knew what was inside him. I knew how he felt, if he was lying, if he was agitated. And if someone was talking to me in a conventional manner, I felt I heard that this person was weeping inside. The tones, the tonal cadence of human speech, of all living creations, contain the most profound truths for me. And you know, that was a great need in my life. I've been collecting speech melodies since 1879. I have an enormous collection of them, and I'd like to emphasize that they are of great importance for dramatic music. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he was really interested in this sort of hyper-realistic truth, and that was the way um, that music spoke to him, and he was sort of of the mind that even if you were watching an opera and you didn't know the language that was being sung in, you could understand what was happening based like solely on the way that people were singing, singing, like singing, talking. He was really interested in um, having the singing and the talking have the same kind of a cadence. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what he was known for later on in life. I feel like he does it though still in, in a, a pleasing way you know as you're listening to it oh, you, yeah it, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like you're hearing this bizarre like sprechstimme or like speak singing or, or something like that it, it's it's singing it's just in a way that is extremely well suited to the language yes yeah and i think that it's it kind of s- sets it apart from a lot of other things that were happening at this time because you know as our regular listeners know, we've been listening to some Wagner lately, mm. and Wagner didn't necessarily, you know, set the text of the vocal lines in such a way that highlighted the way German was pronounced or sounds in everyday spoken German, right? right? That wasn't really a focus of what he was doing. And there's actually 
I think the only other like opera tradition before Janáček that ever really did this was French opera composers because French has a very unique lilt to the language in spoken French. And yeah. so it's why it's very hard to translate the text of an aria that was originally written in Italian or German and just transplant French text into it because the way that the vowel sounds, the way that you pronounce things, where you put the emphasis, it just has a totally different rhythm and feeling to to the actual sound of the spoken language. And so the French were very into this from like in Debussy's time, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but the there really isn't another tradition I can think of other than the French opera tradition where intense focus on the sound of the language is a part of the style itself. Right. So what's going on with Yennefer? Where did that uh, story come from? Uh, well, Yennefer is based on a a famous play. Mm. Um, but first, a little bit a little bit of background on Janáček. Still, when he was very yeah. young, he married a woman named Zdenka, um, and they were married the the entirety of their lives. They had two children. Their son died when he was very very young. I think he was two, Aww. maybe. Um, and then not, I was going to say more importantly, which is not correct, but his daughter Olga lived till she was 21 and then she died. Um, gosh. And he has two pieces of music that he dedicated to the memory of Olga. One, um, which is like elegy for my dead daughter, Olga, you know, creative title. Um, (sighs) and the second one is Yennefer. Oh, okay. Um, so he was in the middle of writing Yennefer when his daughter uh, passed away. And so then he, he rewrote it and dedicated it to her. So do we know what she died from? We do, actually. It appears that she went on a trip with her father to Russia. Um, his brother worked there, her uncle. And so the idea was for her to like learn better Russian, get exposed to Russian cultural life and society. And while she was there, she uh, got afflicted with typhoid fever. And then they went back to Brno a little bit earlier. Brno is the town in in Czechoslovakia, or now the modern Czech Republic, where Janáček and his family lived. And she recuperated and was starting to do a little bit better. But then um, the illness came back and it was even worse than it was the first time. And apparently it was really horrible. She suffered quite a bit and died several months later on February 26, 1903. And her parents, Janáček and Zdenka, were completely devastated and... Apparently, Janacek uh, kind of lost it, and he went raving um, with sorrow, pain, and despair, and he tore at his hair and cried, my soul, my soul. And then his wife, Zdenka, later wrote that in her memoirs, we stayed in our dining room alone, abandoned, silent. I looked at Laos. He sat in front of me, destroyed, thin, gray-haired. That's terrible. So Olga dies in 1903. Yennefer premieres in 1904. Um, and it was based on a pretty popular play at that time called, get ready, Zhezhi Pastor Knichka, um, which translates to her stepdaughter. 
That was wow. Well wrong. done. Well, well done. done. Oh my gosh, round no, no, of applause. No, 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 no. Everything about that, I think, was wrong. Um, and it was pretty successful. He had a hard time getting it uh, produced. It ended up premiering at the National Theater in Brno, and he wanted it in Prague. But the guy who ran the Prague Theater was also a composer, and uh, Janáček had written. Um, a criticism of an opera that this guy wrote basically saying it was like a pile of shit. So that, that guy was like, well, I'm not going to let you do this opera here because you're an asshole. And so. Wow. Revenge. Revenge. Yes, revenge. Um, so let's get right into the plot. It is not fun. Um, right. As, it's going to be a downer. As Kyle said in a previous episode, um, there is some light incest in it. <laughs> incest yes. light. It says like more culturally appropriate incest for that period of time. There's also a lot of, I would say, kind of shocking plot twists that when you first learn about this, you're like, oh, oh, oh. Right. It does feature one of the more horrible deaths in an opera, although you don't see, see it. it. Yes. Usually. Oh, right. Hopefully oh, you gosh. won't if you go to see this production. All right. Um so it takes place in a tiny village, uh, usually set in the late 19th century, but you could sort of set it whenever. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. So our title character, Yanufa, Yanufa. <laughs> is waiting anxiously to hear um, from her beloved Steva, who is her cousin. Oh, like her oh, first right. cousin? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. For a second, they I thought it was like grandma. her... S- it was her stepbrother, but yeah, definitely her cousin. Yeah. Okay. Shiva is her cousin, which back then was pretty socially acceptable. <laughs> um, and she's it's waiting. like what all of the, the royals did. You yeah, know? exactly. Mm-hmm. She's waiting to hear from him because there's a possibility that he might be drafted into the army. So everyone's really worried. And Yanufa is very worried because she is a pregnant, pregnant mm-hmm. but maybe but nobody knows that it's a secret he doesn't even know no right? she's the only one that knows okay so shava's stepbrother laka is also oh, right he is secretly in love with yanufa and he tries to hide his feelings um by making sort of rude and offensive comments about her to his grandmother who is also the owner of the mill way to go grams right <laughs> And so everyone is hanging out. Locke is being kind of a dick because he has, <laughs> f- you know, feelings. This is his defense yeah. mechanism. Right. right. He's mechanism. got, you know, he's the less loved of the brothers. And so he's got some issues. Well, That's true. Because Steva is like he's the like town's the golden boy. Butt. He's super handsome. He's very yeah. charming. Everybody loves him. Blah, 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 blah. It certainly doesn't excuse the behavior that we're about to hear about. No. Oh, no, no, no. Every, every man in this opera is horrible. Everyone in this <laughs> opera is, is horrible, except for Yanufa. Or Yanufa. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yanufa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So everyone's hanging around. Uh, Yanufa's waiting for Shiva to come back so you can find out if he's been drafted into the army. There's a shepherd boy who is uh, a soprano in pants named Jono who enters. It's <laughs> like the stupidest part of the opera. <laughs> he goes running in, the one moment of levity, and he's like, Yanufa, here you are. I'm so happy to see you. I just want to thank you for teaching me how to read. <laughs> oh, right. Aww. I forgot about that. Endearing us to Yanufa. Exactly. And she's like, anytime, kid. Um, so he goes running out. Um, and 
it happens that Steva was not drafted into the military, and he comes sort of um, staggering in with a bunch of his cronies. And you know what's going to happen. Uh, musicians show up, the rest of the villagers, everybody's celebrating the fact that Steva is not going to have to go into the army. Everyone gets a little rowdy. Everyone gets a little drunk. He's behaving in a manner unbefitting a man who is apparently a monog- in a monogamous relationship with one woman <laughs> and a father unbeknownst to him. Unbeknownst to him. So uh, Inufa sees all this and she is kind of upset by the way that he is behaving. And all this rowdy, uh, horrible behavior uh, displeases Yanufa's stepmother, the Kostelnichka. Oh, right. Who is sort the of Kostelnichka. the... Um, Right. She, uh, she's... <laughs> you know when you have a the, uh, the in your the name? Kostelnichka. Like, there's some things wrapped up in that. Yeah. Like the Rusalka. Well, uh, the Kostelnichka, <laughs> uh, it's an honorary office within the church where she serves as a sacristan. So she's sort of seen as this very stern moral authority of the village. Right. Ooh. You know, she represents the church. She represents the higher power. And she remembers her uh, husband, who is dead, and he was drunk and loud and kind of awful, and she sees that, and so she tells Shteva that he can marry Yanufa, but he has to be sober for a year. <laughs> and he's like, why would I want to do he's that? Like, why would I do that? Um, and so <laughs> the Kostelnichka and Grams, mill owner, way to go, Grams, um, they get everybody to leave. They break up the party. And so we're alone on stage with Yanufa and Shteva. And Shteva is kind of pissed that he feels like he's being forced into this marriage <laughs> to this girl. Because Shteva this, sucks. This girl that he's already been with. He has. He's, he's been with. And so she's pleading right. with been him. There. And isn't he Done happy? That. And he's like, get off me. You're smothering me. So he leaves. And uh, Laka, his stepbrother, comes in. And he starts fighting with Yanufa. And, you know, because, like, if a, if a boy pulls your hair when you're in elementary school, that means that he likes you. Mm-hmm. So he's pushing her and pushing her, and they get into this big fight, and he's sort of torn between love and jealousy. So he takes out his knife, his little Whitland knife, um, <laughs> and he, he slashes her cheek, uh, basically saying that... Um, if she's no longer beautiful, no one is going to want to marry her, and she'll have to marry him. Uh, cool. Cool, It's dude. horrible. It, it is, is horrible. Really horrible. Slashes her just, face, like scars her face. Scar, like Although, scars her face, yeah. The terrible thing, too, though, is that, like, the assumption is that, you know, she's a pretty girl, mm-hmm. uh, and now she has, like, a scar on her face, and so suddenly she's, like, hideous. She's worthless. Right, yes. and I'm like, right. come and that's on, like, people. It's, like it's the one whole, cheek. It's the whole reason he chooses that particular place to slash her, too, because he's like, you're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm going to destroy your beauty. Right. And it's like, Well, Shteva's not going to marry her. If she's like, well, yeah, he's not going to marry her He anyway. wasn't going to marry her anyway. He wasn't going to marry her anyways, let's be honest. So that's pretty much but how yes. the first act ends. Laka, uh, people come in and Laka's like, it was an accident, it was an accident and Grams is like, you fucking did that on purpose and that's how <laughs> the act ends. Oh, I thought you were gonna say and that's how Grams rolls. You know, <laughs> she's like... Grams doesn't take shit from anybody. She owns the mill. Mm-hmm. Right. That is like the only source of income in this tiny village. Alright, act two. Curtain. Curtain! Alright, that's my job this <laughs> Sorry, time. Right. 
Wow, you're really embracing that role, <laughs> Naomi. <laughs> Curtain. Curtain. All right, so everybody thinks that Yanufa is off in Vienna working as a servant, but what actually happened is the Kolstonichka has hidden Yanufa, Yanufa, I'm going to keep doing that, um, in her home so she could convalesce, be pregnant, and give birth, and no one will know no. about it because she's it's an the, unwed woman oh what the, a lonely existence uh-huh. the classic sh- switcheroo you know where they they hide away at the the convent or something else right. for they're, nine they're for on, nine months and it's <laughs> or, like you know what it's like edith in downton abbey oh right mm. she's on a, a long vacation an extended vacation. tour an extended tour of the continent <laughs> right. yes all right <laughs> so yunufa has given birth to a little baby boy and the Kostelnichka cannot bear the, the shame that's going to come on her family if the town finds out that Yunufa had sex and was not married. Mm-hmm. Um, so she secretly sends for uh, Shteva, who comes in, and Kostelnichka gives Yunufa some sleeping medicine so she'll pass out and she won't be awake for this um and she tells shteva about the baby he didn't know about the baby until now. <laughs> oh my word and she basically gets on her knees and prostrates herself in front of him and she begs him like you have to wed yunufa and you have to claim your son as your own and shteva being shteva the greatest guy in the world <laughs> is like, I don't want to marry her. She's disfigured. I'm not going to do that. She's got like a scar He's on her cheek. Worst. Right. But the fact, Ew. yeah, the fact is, uh, <laughs> he actually is already engaged to a woman named Karolka, who was the mayor's daughter. He's like, I'm going to uh, marry her and I'm going to be the mayor's son-in-law. He's like, I'm the best person in this whole town. Right. So he and ditches. So- yeah, Col- uh, the Col- but the Kostanich uh, is not done yet. She uh, calls and brings in Laka. The um, guy who did the stabbing right. of the face. <laughs> you know, the face stabber. The uh. face stabber. Um, she brings him in. She's like, you want to marry Yanufa? Um, and he, of course, wants to marry her because he, he loves her so deeply. Um, but he's really taken aback by the fact that Yanufa had a baby and he's like really reticent about marrying her now that she's gonna <laughs> oh i don't know a kid that's not his and the coastal sees that and she's like oh but the baby died oh right oh, oh god big important lie so she says the the, ba- the baby died and so Locke is like oh cool yeah i'll marry her <laughs> 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 Cole Snitch is like, great, great, great. Um, and she sees that. She's like, now go go home. Thank you for that. We'll yeah, talk thank you, later. thank you. We'll be in touch. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep, um, yep. Uh, baby's to- totally dead. Come, Nothing to worry about. Tomorrow. Totally come dead. So Cole Snitch is like, well, shit, what am I going to do now? So the only thing that she feels like she can do is while Yanufa is passed out after she's been roofied by her stepmother. Right. Um, oh. She takes the baby. I'm being very glib here, but this is pretty horrible. <laughs> no, she, but that, that is what happens. That's what happens. But it's like, factual. It yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, she takes the baby. The Kostanicha takes the baby and she goes, this is winter. So she goes to the stream by the mill, which is frozen. She cracks the ice and she drowns the baby. Oh. Luckily, this is off stage. Off stage. Yes. yes. Usually. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows when a crazy director is going to come along and want to have a baby drowning I on know, stage? I know, on stage. So, I mean, uh, people are real into like the shadow projections. That's true. So oh, she drown, drown, drowns the baby, leaves it in, in the river, goes back to the house. And when Yunufa wakes Yanifa, God damn it. When Yanifa wakes just, up. <laughs> this is like the, the Tosca Tosca. You just yeah. got to pick one and I, run I with it. I really think that like the anglicized, accepted anglicized way of saying the name is Yanifa. And like the Czech way is Yanufa. And so you're always right. I'm always right. Thank you. Yes. Thank wow, what you. a great friend. What a great friend. I am always right. So <laughs> Yunufa wakes up. And she says a little prayer for her child. And then she turns around. The coastal Nietzsche walks in. And she was like, oh, you've been in a coma for like, <laughs> for like two days. And while you're in the coma, I'm so sorry, but the baby died. Oh, God. Yeah. And then on top of all that, and she's like, and by the way, she was getting married to the mayor's daughter. Oh! <laughs> um, Insult to injury. Exactly. Mm. So Yanufa is obviously torn apart by grief. And then who walks in but Laka, um, who very humbly offers himself to Niufa, to Yanufa, um, reminding her in the meantime that she doesn't have honor or wealth. So oh. can she do better than him? Probably not. <laughs> hey, oh. I'm the best you got. So exactly. will you marry me? And then he's like, and I love you so much because this is a behavior of a of a healthy man who loves so someone. much. I stabbed your face, right? And Let's just remember, Yanufa is so torn apart by grief and out of her mind that she's like, okay. I'm sure, like, it's not I in the libretto anywhere, but I'm sure if, like, if it were me in that position, I'd be like, well, I'm not really sure how anything could be worse than what I've experienced already, right? So, like. I guess. Sure. I don't know. Repeated sex with the man that stabbed me in the face that I don't really like that much. I don't think she thought that through, to be honest. Probably not. I feel like at this point she's completely dejected. So she's just like, I'm just going to do whatever anybody tells me to do. Yeah, I'm sure she's in shock. She just found out like two minutes ago that her baby's baby's dead. dead, And the man who was a father of her child, who she unwisely loved, is like ditching her and getting married, like upgraded to a better model, right? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. End of act two. Curtain. Great. <laughs> so two months have gone by, and Yunufa is about to marry Laka. And among the guests at this wedding celebration are the mayor and his wife. Oh. Who notices, his wife is a little gossiping bitch, notices that uh, <laughs> Yunufa is not wearing uh, their traditional white garland of a bride because she can't because she's not a virgin. This is so fucked up. Hey, And who else is there? Steva and his fiance, Karolka. <laughs> so there's a little wedding celebration. The girls come running in with flowers. Everybody's psychic. Everyone's excited. Grams blesses the couple. Grams. <laughs> You guys, wow, you're really... I like grams. I just mean that the two of you, you're in tandem. It's really wonderful. It's a wonderful partnership. Yeah. Suddenly, right before the marriage is about to take place, everyone's sort of gathered in the town square. Um, Who comes running in but our our literate shepherd boy? (laughs) (laughs) Newly literate. Have you, as a side note, did you, have you guys seen Game of Thrones? 
Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. I'm thinking of this, and then it just reminds me that every time we talk about Sir Davos, he called him hooked on phonics. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are fans of Game of Thrones and perhaps fans of Netflix's Queer Eye, you have to look up Gay of Thrones. You love it's- it. They're only about like five minutes long. They're basically just recaps of every episode. They're amazing. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, it's with Jonathan Van Ness, who's on Queer Eye. And actually, I found out when, I didn't even know it existed, but when I found out it existed, um, it's on, I think it's on Amazon Prime streaming service. So you can watch most of the episodes of Gay of Thrones through Amazon oh. Prime. Oh. And if you yeah. don't have an Amazon Prime account, they are on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But you have to think do some like sorting to get them in order. But it doesn't matter. It's great. Anyway, right. so and and when you watch it, you should know that it is an Emmy award winning series. Think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful world. Next year, you'll see Opera After Dark, the Emmy award winning video Ooh. series. Ooh, intriguing. All right. Anyway, so back to <laughs> our Yanufa. little shepherd boy comes running into you, um, the middle of the town, and remember, it's two months later. Winter is gone, is thawed, and spring is upon us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes running in to say, uh, "There's a dead baby in the mill stream that is oh. thawing." So the whole town's there. Coastal Nietzsche becomes hysterical, and they bring in the the body, and Yunufa identifies it as her child. And so everyone, of course, then turns on Yunufa uh, because they're like, "You." Murderer! You harlot, you murderer, how could you kill your child? And Laka, great guy that he is, defends her, the love of his life. Well, at least he <laughs> did one thing right. I guess. And in the middle of all this, the Kosolnichka confesses that she's the one that did it. Dang. <sighs> Ultimate fall from grace. Right. Mm-hmm. And before she's led away to face her punishment, Yunufa forgives her for what she did, which... Nice of you. Mm-hmm. And then she turns to Laka and she basically is like, all this has happened. I'm giving you your freedom. You don't have to marry me. Wow. And then he says, I love you. And she has grown to love him too. <laughs> so it they pains put, you to say oh, that, doesn't it? They end? put this whole sordid affair behind them and they start a new life together end of opera end of opera curtain curtain (laughs) curtain so dissatisfying (laughs) on so many levels um although i will say the music at the end when they basically yanufa and laka decide to like basically start fresh Mm -hmm. it's really glorious music like the, I mean, it's beautiful the music is incredible this opera is really known for a scene in the second act uh which is basically like coastal Nietzsche's big shana where mm-hmm. she makes this decision <laughs> as to what she has to do and it's her alone on stage for about 10 minutes it's this huge tour de force <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Set is actually singing it at Santa Fe, and she sang nice. she sang Yanufa for a number of years. So now she's yes moving on to the Costa Nichico. So that should be really exciting. Krita um, Matala did the same thing. She, she sang Yanufa yeah. for many years and kind of like made her mark with that role. And then very recently, the last time it was at the Met. She sang the Costel Nitschka, so she did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like that aspect kind of makes sense because it seems like there are a, a smaller handful of singers that are either willing to or are proficient in singing in Czech. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody has done the study and has sung the role of Yanufa uh, mm-hmm. several times, then they may be more apt to sing the Kostelnitschka. Well, it's um, a lot of Czech operas are usually sung by people who are, from the country. Mm-hmm. And I think uh-huh. a lot of it has to do with what I was talking about earlier, especially in Janacek, um, with the speech melody. If it's a language that you speak, this is a much easier opera for you um, to sing because the language is so important. Mm-hmm. And you'll understand the the speech melodies a lot better if this is something that you're already uh, familiar with. But um, I really like this opera, but... It's depressing. I mean, the story is like... It's horrible. It's- like the things that happened to this poor that's girl, rough. it's yeah. awful. Yeah. With that in mind, it it stands out to me as a, a favorite opera. It really the the music is so beautiful. Uh, it's a dramatic and and heart wrenching story, but that I mean that is opera, you know. And I will say that you, at least with the, with this particular story, it's horrible and these horrible things happen to her. Mm-hmm. I do feel like. The music is not trying to cover up the horrible things that happen to her. Like the That's music true. in a way expresses like the brutality of her experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like incestuous love between twins in a Norse pseudo Norse fairy tale where the music mm-hmm. makes it sound like it's the most glorious thing. It's like the right. music sounds painful sometimes mm-hmm. because she's enduring pain and so and i think right. that's why it's such a dramatically compelling work and why so many people love it because they feel like they live with her through this thing that sure. she goes through and i think that one of the reasons that it is so compelling is that janicek was sort of processing his own right. grief at the loss of, of his child, own child you know mm-hmm. and i think you yeah. can definitely hear that in the music definitely but like you know I would love to change the ending where she isn't like Stockholm syndrome and marrying this dude that like <laughs> attacked her and she's like, you know what? I'm going to start a new life on my own. Peace out. Bye. Um, bye. With, she'll wait until John of the Shepherd boys of age and then they'll marry each other. <laughs> he seems They've already great. got a good they'll relationship going. Night, they'll read. It'll be great. Right. <laughs> well, hopefully some of you all will have a chance to see this opera. If you haven't already, uh, get to see it sometime soon perhaps at santa fe Mm -hmm. i think it's coming on stage there in july and august of this year 2019 uh it's a great a great piece thank you elspeth for taking us on this depressing journey you're welcome 
And as we said earlier, if you want to learn more about the crazy life of Leo Janacek, be sure to check out episode two of mm-hmm. Opera After Dark. Mm-hmm. It's wild. I think, yeah. didn't we like read his letters? We did. Yes. They are. Yeah. <laughs> It's fascinating. It is fascinating. And before we finish this episode, I just want to say that we feel it's been a pretty long time since we've done some fantasy opera casting. And anybody that that doesn't know, there is a fairly large film coming out soon, a sort of culmination of 22 movies, one would say. Um, I've heard that this film is, well, it's definitely longer than Das Rheingold to give you a frame yeah. um, so the avengers endgame is coming out on april 26th i'm super excited um and for anybody that doesn't know it has a cast of about eighteen thousand people in it so we have a lot of people to choose from so join us on uh the 26th and uh you can sit there with your own chart and see if they match up with ours where we opera cast captain america um, <laughs> and thor and the black panther and all kinds of people and it'll be super exciting and then you can go see the movie i'm sure right. everyone's gonna die <laughs> oh. everyone look, dies that is the end contract. game yep. how very operatic how very operatic look a lot of people's contracts are up so mm. i think they're all right gonna die. this of course is extremely well timed considering we're talking about uh Wagner's Ring Cycle. Right. There are characters from Norse mythology and that are featured in the Ring Cycle that are also featured in the Avengers. Prominently so, featured. Ooh. Very nicely timed. And then finally, after we do our Avengers fantasy casting, we'll come back to finish out Wagner's Ring with Siegfried and also Gotterdammerung. Right. We thought yes. it'd be nice to take a little bit of a, of a breather. A breather, from yes. All the <laughs> but in that breather, we are obviously doing lots of fun things. Mm-hmm. So we are excited to bring that to you in the coming weeks. But until then, if you want to check us out on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also, if you want to support the podcast, you can find us at operaafterdark.com slash Patreon. And so there's lots of uh, ways that you can get in touch with us and contribute to helping us keep Opera After Dark going. And we are also... Interested? If you want to write us a wonderful, glowing review, you can do that on wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, Apple Play Music or the Google Play Store or mm-hmm. SoundCloud or wherever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, the, whatever the place is that you listen. Apple Play Cloud exactly. Bean right. Podcast. And this whole episode is because somebody wrote to us and said, I'm going to see this opera and I don't know anything about it. Could you tell me what it's about? And if, if you guys have any requests, I mean... Shoot them our way. Who knows? We might be like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We don't have to think about this. We'll do this. So do our content for us is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. With that, as you uh, walk away pondering what you're going to request, (laughs) I'm Naomi. I'm Elspeth. And I'm Kyle. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.